Get your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 8. I'm so excited to hear about these testimonies because that's what I want to preach about this morning, about the healing of Jesus. Amen? The miracle power of Jesus. So I want to, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down how to, how to get your miracle when the waters are stirring. Amen? How to get your miracle when the waters are stirring. It's Matthew chapter 8. Wasn't that an awesome testimony? We, we, we can go to the doctor. The doctor can do so much. It's not that we don't tell you not to go to the doctor. Be wise. But we know, we, we know who the great physician is. Amen? Amen? Jesus is the great physician. Anybody in here ever been healed? Let me see your hand if you've ever been healed of something. Amen? We've got some awesome, awesome miracles and testimonies. And I want to give one to start off this morning. Um, if I can have, I, I forgot to tell you we we're going to do this right now. So someone can go grab Henry. We're going to dedicate him this morning. Amen. Um, you don't have to do it yourself, but you can. Allie just started coming recently with Dana. And I uh, want to dedicate uh, her son this morning. She's, he's a little older, but she just started coming to church. Amen. So we're going to pray over him and dedicate him to the Lord. And uh, she's going to have a testimony in just a second. So let me get this other mic ready. But as, as, he's, as she's coming, I want to share another one just in case. You forgot. I want to lift your faith up this morning. Amen. Amen. How many know when your faith is lifted, that's when miracles happen? Yes. How many still believe Jesus heals yes. in 2015? Amen. Amen. That was not just for them. That is for us today. And the church needs to move in the supernatural. We need to move in the miracle power of God so that people can say, man, God is real. How many know when, when a miracle happens, that means it can't be done in human, human strength. It's something beyond our own power. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I want to I want to lift our faith to believe that we can pray for the sick, that we can cast out demons, that we can heal the sick, that we can see miracles happen in people's lives. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Got a frog in my throat. Go ahead and come on up, Allie. Danny, you want to come up with her, too, as, a, as the friend that invited her? Amen. We're going to pray over Henry this morning. Pastor Dylan, if you'd come up as well. Let's make sure this one's on too. Okay, good. And um, I, want, I want her to testify because this really, what God did for you um, last week really stirred me to preach this message because something happened that you did that uh, I'll talk about in a second. But uh, just tell them what happened to you first um, last Sunday morning, right? When I was healed. Well, yeah, the whole thing. I went to the hospital on Friday night. I collapsed at work and I was having chest pains. The following night, I was transported by ambulance to Presbyterian again with really <laughs> high blood pressure and a heart rate with um, chest pains again as what was well. The blood pressure? Do you remember? It was 183 over 105, and my pulse was staying above 150. So I get there, they run tests, everything. They find a spot on my x-ray. They ended up releasing me, and I went home. The next day, I was exhausted, did not want to come to church. Dana texts me, and she's like, you know, I, I really want you at church. I was like, I know, I need to be there. So we came, and as everybody came forward, I looked at Dana, and I said, will you go up with me? And it, I just knew I needed her. And I needed that support. And so we came to the front. She told you. And you got your oil out. And as you were healing me, all I could do was smile. 
I was able to take a deep breath without chest pains and smile. Amen. And I've been good since then. No problems. No. Praise God. Well, I didn't heal her. Jesus did. But amen. We prayed for you. Praise God. Pastor Dylan, come forward. We're going we're gonna to dedicate Henry this morning. Amen. Henry, God's going to use your life. Amen. You want God to use you? Wouldn't that be cool? Big God of the universe. So we're going to pray over you right now. He's like, man, that's a big task. And we're going to dedicate you to the Lord, okay? Will you give me your hand? All right. Just extend your hands to this young man this morning and this family, amen? Father, we want to place Henry before you this morning and this mother who thought about saying, God, I want my child to serve you. And Lord, we just ask this morning that as we present this child to you at this age, Father, where he's so formable, where he's so moldable, where he's so teachable, Father. Lord, that you would cover him with your precious blood. Father, that your spirit would rise up and fill him this morning, even at this young age. And God, I pray this morning that as he goes forth in life, he would never turn to the left and never turn to the right, but he would serve you all the days of his life. Lord, as you have lent him to his mother, Allie, this morning, Father, we pray that he would serve you and even preach your gospel someday, Father. Well, we ask for healing. We ask for covering. We ask for protection over him. And Lord, we pray that Allie would always remember the importance of bringing Henry to church as she is right now and never stop doing that so that he can grow up in the ways of the Lord. Satan, you cannot have this child. He is not yours. He is a child of God this morning. And Lord, we present him back to you for your service. That all the days of his life he would serve you till he breathed his very last breath or until you come home for us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Matthew chapter 8. So go to the hospital. Hospital sends you home. You need a miracle. Jesus is the miracle. Amen. I want to show you a few things in the, in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 8. How important it is to have faith and how important it is to do something. Okay, this is, this is what really happened. She, she saw we were praying for people. And she saw, and it didn't have to be a healing service. It was an altar call. That's why we do altar calls. And we pray. I come in here before services and I walk this altar and I say, God, in this service, move in these altars. Move in this place right here. Touch people's lives. Heal people's lives. Because how many know this is all about lifting him up? Amen. And we know that if we invite someone to church, someone new comes in, they've never been to church before. That's what we're trying to get. Amen. People who've never been to church before, never heard the gospel and uh, get them in here and they might not know what, what's going on, but they feel the presence of God. They, they see something's happening. And so something caused her. I don't know her background. I don't know anything about if she's been in church or anything, but something caused her to see that if she came forward, she could be healed. And so when she walked out of her seat and came to the altar, she was already being healed because of her faith. She was already being healed because of the action that she did. Amen? How many know that there's something that happens when action is placed to our faith? 
So I want to show you a few stories just for a few minutes. And I want to pray this morning for some people. I want to pray this morning for some healings. I want to pray for some breakthrough. I want to pray for some uh, addictions to be broken. I want to pray for some chains to come off. Amen. Everybody's got something that they deal with, something that they need to be free from. But I want to show you one of the best stories in the Bible in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. That was a very influential, very powerful man in the army. And it says, he came to him pleading with him. Now, if you've got your Bible there and you're taking notes, I want you to underline a few things. These are, these are things that, as you're learning, we see over there the word discipleship. That's the middle of our vision. Evangelism is getting people saved. Church planning is what we're doing with Pastor Dylan and Ashley. The middle part is where we learn how to apply the Bible. So when we're in a service like this and we're reading the Bible and we tell you to underline something, it means it's, there's an emphasis on it. And we can go back and when you're reading your Bible again, you can look at places that you've marked and you can look at places that you've underlined. And it will remind you again, there's an emphasis on this word. There's something the Lord is really trying to show me. And so as I'm reading this, I see... And I would really recommend you, too, to go get some uh, markers. If you look in my Bible, I have different marks. And get some highlighters, too. And sometimes you can, you can make your own little code of what one thing means. Maybe it's a miracle. Maybe it's a, a correction or whatever. And as you, as you fill those things out, um, you, can, you can remind yourselves of things. I kind of have my own little system. But uh, things just, just to remind you as you're reading again. And I see there's something powerful that sticks out that says the centurion pleaded with Jesus. So he knew he had a need. We don't really have to have anybody tell us that. We already know we have a need. But he pleaded with Jesus. So he, he, he basically cried out to the Lord. He did not wait for Jesus to come to him. It seems like a lot of times people don't get a miracle because they have the attitude, well, if God's going to heal me, he's going to heal me. He's going to come to me. He's going to show me. And you don't see that in the scriptures. Whenever you see a miracle, you see the person in need doing something out of faith to get to Jesus. Okay? So you see here it says Jesus was coming into the city, but then that centurion, what does it say there in the first verse we're reading, verse 5? What's the key word? It said, what did the centurion do? Came to him. Okay? He came to him. It says, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Some would have in your Bibles the palsy. This was a paralyzing thing that would happen to people and two or three days later they would be dead. Palsy was very dangerous. It was a sickness that would paralyze people and two or three days later they were dead. So when this man was coming to Jesus and he had been paralyzed, he is sitting there saying to himself, if, 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 God, if God doesn't do something to my servant, in two or three days he's going to be dead. I, I need a miracle. And he had already heard about what God was doing. You know what will build the church? People hearing about miracles. People hearing about lives being changed. Amen? It's not the, the great preaching or, or great singing or a beautiful building that draws people. Because you know what? When someone's hurting, they could care less about any of those things. But what will build the church is us telling other people, man, God healed my friend. Man, God set my friend free from addiction. Man, God healed my friend's marriage or my marriage. And we become evangelists for the Lord. Amen. So he says he came. He says, my, my, my servant's paralyzed and dreadfully tormented, tormented. And Jesus said, watch this, I will come and heal him. Jesus always wants to heal. 
It's always his will to heal. You'll never see in the Bible say, no, I'm too busy or no, I don't want to or no, I, I can't. He always says, I will heal him. Jesus says, I will heal him. Now we see something very powerful here happen. And this only happens once in the, in the New Testament. The centurion answered and said, now there's some boldness here because he's talking to God. How many know you've got to have some boldness? It's respectful boldness, but you've got to have some boldness with God. And he says, Lord, I am not worthy that you would come under my roof. He says, I, I can't have you come into my house. I, I'm not worthy. And there's a humility there, but there's a boldness to tell him that at the same time. So it's a bold humility. Amen. How many know you can be boldly humble? Okay, so he boldly and humbly says, you can't come into my house, I'm not worthy. He says, but if you will just speak a word, verse nine, 8, my servant will be healed. If you will just say he'll be healed, he, you don't have to come. I, he's basically saying, I believe I'm coming on his behalf. I want to show you that sometimes you can see someone get healed because of your faith. For somebody else. How many know that when you're sick and you have a headache or you have a stomach problem and you're bleeding or you've got something serious going on, it's difficult to believe for yourself. That's why we need friends. That's why we need someone to stand in the gap for us. This man did not have faith for himself and probably in the paralyzed position he was, there was nothing he could do anyways. So this centurion steps in and says, I'm going to believe for my, for my servant. I'm going to believe for him. And he says, Jesus, all you have to do is speak the word. How many know that's faith? He just said, just speak the word. You don't have to come. I just know that if you'll say he's healed, he is healed. And he is exercising a faith. And listen, when, when you begin to exercise faith, that's why I said she was already healed before she even got down here. Because she had already said, Jesus, I believe. I believe if I go down there, I'm going to be healed. Amen? And so it says, from a man under great authority, having soldiers under me, I say to this one, go, and he goes to another, come, and he comes to my servant, do this, and he does it. And then verse 10, watch this. I love this. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. He says, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. I love that. How do you shock God? Don't you want to shock God with your faith? See, we don't understand faith is the only thing that can shock God. Faith is the only thing that moves God. Hebrews 11 says, verse 6, it's impossible to please God without faith. So when you have faith, if it's impossible to please Him without it, what happens when you have faith? It pleases God. It moves God. God is a God who loves to see us. You know, all these testimonies we heard of finances and healings and all the things that, that are going on. God loves that because that's why he heals. That's why he does testimonies. That's why he does miracles. Because he loves to be worshipped. He made us to worship him. And when a miracle takes place, that's what he does it for. So that people would glorify his name. Amen. And so that he would get the credit for it. Amen. And so he says, he marveled. I love that. He marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, watch this. I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Not even in Israel. Not even in Israel. I have never seen so much faith. 
I want God to talk about me like that. You want to be an overcoming Christian? Have faith. Amen? So maybe you're here this morning, and you're in an awesome opportunity to have faith. Sometimes we look at the bad things the wrong way. We say, man, I got a, I got a financial problem, or I'm, I'm dealing with a physical ailment, or my marriage is shaky this morning, or I've got issues with my kids, or whatever's going on. And we look at it as a way like, man, I don't got it, I don't got it all together. I'm struggling. Something's wrong. This is bad. And what we need to do is look at these kind of stories and turn it around on the devil and say, you know what? This is God giving me an opportunity to share my faith and to have some faith. And to believe in something that only God can do. And the bigger the problem, the bigger the miracle. So if you're, if you're here this morning, you say, man, you have no idea. I'm going to throw it right back at you until you have no idea how big my God is. Amen. He's a healer this morning. He's a deliverer this morning. He's going to set you free this morning. He can do a miracle in your marriage. He can do a miracle in your finances. He can do a miracle in your kids. He can do a miracle in your body. He can do a miracle in your mind. Amen. He is no respecter of persons. He can heal every single one of us this morning. And I believe that as the faith arises in this place, nobody is going to leave that door today unsaved, unhealed, and undelivered. Can you say amen? Why? Because Jesus is here this morning. Amen? He's here this morning. Now, I want to show you another story that really, really is what I want to get to in uh, uh, Luke. If you'd go there. Sorry, John. John chapter 5. And as you're getting there, I want to just give you a reminder of another story. Go to John. But in Matthew chapter 9, if you want to write that down, another story in Matthew chapter 9 about two deaf men that were healed. The Bible says that they came and um, they cried out. Now you say, how can a deaf person cry? Well, you've heard them. They have, they have vocal cords. They just don't know how to use them. Cried out. Heal us. Blind men would cry out to Jesus. There was over, over listen, over 30 miracles that are, that are documented in the New Testament. We know that Jesus did way more than 30 because John even said when he wrote the book of John, if I tried to write down all the things that have happened and all the things that Jesus has done, there would not, do you remember? He said there would not be enough books in the world to contain everything that has been done. So we know that they chose, led by the Holy Spirit, the stories that were supposed to go in this book. But Jesus did miracle after miracle after miracle. And if you remember, in different places in the scriptures, it would be saying that, that multitudes would come to him. And if you remember, there was a very key word. He said he healed them all. All is a lot. Amen? And so we don't have all the miracles documented, but we see there that every time, if you'll read these later on, read Matthew 9, if you'll read these stories, you'll always see that there was some kind of action by the person who received the healing. Okay? Jesus was just doing his, his ministry. He was just doing what he was called to do. And he was going, and, and where he went, he healed the sick. He cast out demons. Um, he, 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 put, he made the lame to walk. He, he, he brought the, the dead back to life like Lazarus. Amen? But every time, now that might be the only case that the person that got healed did not have anything to do with it. Okay? Because Lazarus was dead. Lazarus didn't do anything about that. But what? He had some sisters. Okay? He had some sisters. This morning, 
if you can't have enough faith for, for your healing, maybe someone around you can. Maybe somebody around you can say, you know what? I have faith for you. I'm going to believe for you. Amen. I know that when Allie came, I had faith for her. I believed she was going to be healed. Amen. I never pray for someone believing they're not going to be healed. Does every person ever get every time I've ever prayed for somebody to get healed? No. Do I know why? No. But I know it's not because God doesn't have the power. God has the power this morning. Amen. Now let's look at John chapter 5. This is an awesome story. Verse 1. And I want this to really be the, the text, the main text of this message this morning. Verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Notice that, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Underline that, stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. That's a long time to be sick. 38 years. That way, way, way defeats the woman with the issue of blood. Right, man? By, by three times. 38 years. And now we see why. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, here's the question, do you want to be made well? Now, that might sound like a crazy question. Most of us would say, duh, yes, I want to be made well. But he wasn't really asking that in the question of, do you want to be made well? He was asking him, do you believe you can be made well? That's the question. Okay. Then it says, the sick man answered and said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Amen. So I want to show you in this story, this, this place, this is an actual place. It's historic. It's there. It exists. Saw a picture of it. It was empty. didn't have any water in it. But what was interesting was it represents the need. It represents the needy. And in a way, it represents the world. It represents even sometimes the church. It represents people that have needs. And it really, I really, there really is something about when, that when the Spirit is moving... We have to be sensitive to it. And we have to recognize it. And we have to know that God is doing something. 
And I say this this morning, and don't, if you don't get anything else, get this. I say this this morning for our services that you know that every service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and really anything we ever do because we always have an altar call. Even when we do an outreach, we always have an opportunity to be saved. I want to really get you to understand something. A lot of times we stay back and we miss out on a miracle because we don't get in the water. Okay, I'm not even talking about the, at the, a service maybe where, where you don't even have a physical need, but God is doing something at this altar, and the waters are being stirred, and the anointing is moving, and, 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 and God might want to challenge you, or he might want to speak to you, or he might want to call you to something, or he might want to, there's many things that he can do, amen? And, and sometimes we, we stand back and erroneously think, well, I don't have a need this morning, or I, I, that particular message didn't pertain to me, if you've noticed that I, when I at conferences, I'm at the altar because I know there's a stirring of the waters down there, and I want a miracle to happen in my life, and I want God to speak to me, and I want God to touch me, amen. And we just had a miracle at the conference, another miracle of Nicole for that very, very same thing happened because she was in the right place at the right time, amen. And so I want to encourage you to understand that when we're at an altar call, you don't have to always have said, well, that message, that was for me, or, or I'm in sin, or, or I've got a physical need, or you don't have to have any of that. Just realize that the water is being stirred, just like this chapter is talking about. And if you'll get in the water, something will happen. Amen? I don't know about you. I don't have to be sick. I don't have to have a financial problem. I don't have to have a marital problem. I don't have to have any problem to want to be in the presence of God and to be transformed again and to be touched again and to be motivated again and to be filled again. Amen? And so there's a, there's a moving. If you were here last Sunday night when Pastor Ben preached about the gifts, there was such a presence of God here. Amen? There was such an amazing anointing here. And so we want to be here. That goes with every service as well. That's why we, re we, we motivate you and recommend to you, don't just come to one service. Come to every service because that one service you miss might be the one service your life is changed forever. Amen? I, I'm, I'm very adamant about that because you all know that I got saved on a Tuesday night. That was not a normal night. That was an off night. And I know that to, this morning I wouldn't be here preaching the gospel. I wouldn't be here talking about Jesus if I hadn't gone to church on a Tuesday night. So maybe your miracle is that one night you don't come. Maybe that change in your marriage is that one service you stay back and you don't come in. How many are following me this morning? I want to get you to understand that when the Spirit's moving, you got to jump into that water. And we see that right here. This is something very important. And thank God we're not in the time where someone has to put us in. And what a sad story. This guy can't move. And you, you got all these sick people. How many have ever been to a hospital during flu season or some time when everybody's sick and the emergency room's full of people? Or you're just around a lot. It's not fun. I mean, you're already sick. And now you got to go sit with a bunch of sick people. While you get wait, waited on to get, to, get, to get seen by the doctor, amen, so he can tell you that you're sick. <laughs> right? It's not fun. And here's the interesting thing. This place was by the sheep gate. You know why? Because sheep stink. It's not a coincidence that it was by the sheep gate because sick people stink. Can you imagine all the sickness? 
This guy's been sick for 38 years. There's been times in my life, in my ministry, where I've gone in many times, many times. I've gone into houses and prayed for sick people and had to keep myself from throwing up of the smell. I don't say that in a mean way. Sickness stinks. Death stinks. Sin stinks. Amen? And so you can imagine how many people were at this place and that this guy had been sick for 38 years and that when that water began to stir, only one person would get a miracle. Aren't you thankful we live in the age of grace? That this morning there's not just one person that's going to get healed. Everybody can be healed. Why? Because the same Jesus that told him to stand up and pick up your mat is here this morning. Amen? He's in this place right now. And he's a healer. I want to tell you about one more story. And we're not going to read it. I just want you to uh, write it down. Mark chapter 2. This is another story that's really awesome in the Bible. About where some friends helped out a man. This is the story where Jesus is preaching and these four men, I've done a message on this before, about talking about getting them to Jesus. And these four brothers, they, they, they say, man, we got to get our friend to Jesus. If we, we know if we get him to Jesus. How many here have a friend that is dealing with something, they're sick or they got a marriage problem, they got an addiction, and you just know if they would just get to church, you know they would get saved. You know they would get healed. You know they would get delivered. Amen. We all have people. We're just, we're just like, God, why don't you just bring them in? Please, Lord. And just like us, someone needed to get us here. And, and someone asked you, someone bugged you, someone kept, kept on on you, amen, until you finally came and you got saved. Amen? How many of you were drugged to church? <laughs> Amen? You were bugged to church. Praise God for that. How many are thankful that person kept bugging you? So we see these four men. He's a paralytic and he can't walk on his own. So they pick up his mat and they carry him, the Bible says in Mark chapter 2, to where Jesus is. But Jesus is inside the house. And there's people outside the door, crammed in everywhere they go. And there's no place for them to get in the door. And so they go up the stairs of the house. You know, that those places over in Israel would have roofs on the top. And they take them up around the house, or up around the stairs on the mat, and they open up the tile of the roof. How many have read that story before? And they drop the man down into the place. That's faith. That's wild faith. That's crazy faith. Amen. That's almost, you could call it stupid faith. Amen? Stupid faith. They grabbed him and dropped him in there. And once again, Jesus is sitting there preaching, healing, doing his ministry, and he sees a tile open up in the roof. And dust begins to come down. And you know what? That man was healed not when he stood in the presence of Jesus. He was already healed when those brothers picked him up and put him on the mat and began to carry him to the place because faith is what heals us. Amen? It's just the faith to believe that Jesus can heal you. So what I want to do this morning is get you to understand that if you've been struggling with a sin, if you've been fighting with an ailment, if you've been dealing with an issue in your marriage, if you've been having major financial problems, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a physical healing. I want your faith to rise this morning by these stories in the Bible. And I want you to understand in a minute that when we go to pray, that, the, that my faith is here 
and your faith is here, and Jesus' healing power is here, and he wants to heal you this morning. He wants to heal your finances. He wants to give you a job. He wants to touch your marriage. He wants your faith to arise. Listen, church, we can see a revival if we as believers would begin to believe and we as believers would begin to go out of this place and begin to pray for the sick at work. Pray for the sick at home. Pray for the sick in the, work, in the store. Pray for the, everywhere we go. If we would understand this is not a pastor's call. This is not an evangelist's call. The Bible says in Mark 16 that they who lay their hands on the sick, the Bible says they will recover. Because it's not us, it's Jesus. How many would like God to use you to heal somebody this morning? Amen? Maybe you're here and you've been saying, God, all my life I've wanted to be used in a miracle. But you, you can, if you'll just believe. Amen? I want to tell a story this morning of my own personal life. I've told before, it's been a long time, again, to raise your faith. And my, my very first time I ever saw, and, I, and I, I, I'm not saying this to brag, but anything but on God, I've seen a lot of miracles. I've seen a lot of healings in all the years. And I've continued to pray. I've seen people not get healed, too. Right. I've, seen, I've had faith for them. I've wanted them to be healed. And nothing happened. But that's not my job. My job is, and your job is either. It's our job to pray. It's our job to believe. And God does the rest. Amen? We don't know why sometimes. We just know it's his will to heal. But I remember going to Mexico when I just got saved. I had my broken Spanish and still broke, but it's not as broke as it used to be. Amen. And I had my Spanish and I was preaching over there. And I, uh, I, I did a, 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 a message the best I could. And I remember it being a really, really big church. There was probably at least 500 people there, maybe more. I remember it being a building about this wide, but about five times this long. It, maybe it seemed longer back then, but it was pretty long. And the place was full of people. And I remember when I first got there, I said, God, what are you doing? Why are you bringing me to a place like this to preach first? Let's go to a smaller church. Let's go someplace where there's not so many people. And God's like, I'm going to use you. And I had a bunch of teenagers with me, a bunch of crazy teenagers. My sister was one of them. And I remember we, uh, we got there and I started getting my, my, my messages together and I had all my message planned. I knew what I was going to preach on and everything. And God says, nope, you're not going to preach on that. I hate when he does that, but it always turns out good. You're not going to preach on that. I want you to preach on healing. So I told the youth, we're going to preach on healing. And so we, we uh, actually, I got to back up one. This, this, we hadn't got to this church yet. We were, at, we were at a smaller church, and I told the youth, we're going to preach on healing. So we went to this church. I preached my message, and this is where I did an altar call. Some of you have heard this. And uh, the, all, all the people came forward, and I went to do the salvation, and I said, I want you to repeat after me. Some of y'all know this story. I'll blast on myself for a second. I say, hey, repeat after me. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. And this is in Spanish, okay? I'm going to say it in Spanish so you Spanish people get this. Señor Jesús, gracias por mi salvación. And then I said, perdóname por mis pescados. <laughs> so now we know all the people that speak Spanish, right? It killed the moment. Very serious moment. I said, Lord Jesus, forgive us for our fish. Pescado and pecado. It's just one letter. Add it or take it away, and you're in big trouble. Amen? And what's sad is the whole church did what you just did. My first altar call. I wanted to quit the ministry that night. And I had to wait till everybody stopped laughing, and then go on. Amen? 
So that was done, and then God said, I want you to pray for the sick. And I'm like, really? I can't even pray for salvation. You want me to pray for the sick? Yes, I want you to pray. So we did it, and listen, nobody got healed. Nobody. People came forward, and I didn't see nothing happen. No manifestation of God's power at all. That doesn't mean they didn't get healed. I didn't see nothing. So we went on to the next church, and then it was the big one. And I preached again, and God says, I want you to pray for the sick. I'm like, God, I'm not going to pray for the sick. I'm not, that's not my call. I'm not working. And so uh, the service went on, and I didn't. I didn't obey God. I didn't do it. Don't ever don't do what God says. Okay? And the service was ending, and it was over, and all these people were there. And he kept saying, pray for the sick. And I'm thinking, there's got to be a lot of sick people in this place. I do not want to pray for the sick. So I didn't do it. But I remember the whole time I was there during the service, I kept looking at this boy. This is one of the reasons I didn't want to pray for the sick. When you put your eyes on a problem in the flesh, faith dies. Okay? When you look at a problem with your eyes, faith dies. I'm going to say that one more time. When you look at a problem with your eyes, faith dies. You cannot look at a sickness You cannot look at a situation. You cannot look at a bill. You cannot look at a marriage. You cannot look at anything through your eyes. You have to look at those things through the Lord's eyes. Amen? Amen? But I remember the whole service, you know, praise and worship, preaching the message. I kept looking back at this boy, and he had what looked like a baseball in his throat. It was big. Huge. My sister, my sister's a witness to this. I mean, it was, it, it looked like some, like he had swallowed a baseball, but it was on the side of his throat. And so I, I you know, you know how it is when you're looking at someone like that and you try not to look. Right. It's kind of hard not to see it. And you kind of glance and then you glance past, but then your eyes come back to it again because it's really big. Well, the whole entire service, I'm looking at this kid and then God says, pray for the sick. I don't, I know that kid's going to come forward if I pray for the sick. I don't want I don't want to not be I don't want to be foolish looking. Y'all with me? Yeah. It's easy to pray for the sick when people got headaches. You can't see. <laughs> this is a big baseball in this kid's throat. So anyways, I did not do it. I did not obey. Service is over. Everybody's talking and everything. Guess what? Grandma brings the kid to me. Sound like the story? I didn't go to the kid. Grandma brought the kid to me. Will you pray for my grandson? There I am. Yep, now what am I going to (laughs) do? Called the youth over. I prayed. Listen, sometimes God, you know, the Bible says in 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 a story, he says, God, help me with my unbelief. I said, Lord, I really don't have faith. You didn't move over there, and now you want me to pray for this Big lump in this kid's throat. And I put my hand on his throat. And God is my witness. That baseball disappeared in my hand to a normal throat. Totally disappeared. You talk about faith arising. Guess what happened? The waters were stirred. And once everybody saw that, a line started from the front of the church to the back. And we ended up, musicians, you can come this morning. We ended up praying for I don't know how long. And let me tell you something. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle happened. 
people were healed of this and that and this and that and all these things. And as that continued to happen, watch this, pay attention. As that continued to happen, faith began to arise in that place. All it takes is one miracle. All it takes is one thing. Now, we've already heard testimonies this morning. How many of you got to hear to believe this morning? Amen. We've already heard of someone who had bad, bad heart problems and went to the doctor and was, was, was transported to another one and God healed her. We already heard of someone who went to the hospital and was vomiting blood and God healed her. Amen. Nicole's body, when she, she had not had her, her, her menstrual cycle for eight months, that's not good, got healed and the next day her cycle started. Amen. After eight months, that's a miracle. Amen. God can do miracles this morning. And I want you to believe. I want the waters to be stirred. It was crazy. After that happened, that same grandma said, I've got someone that I know that's sick in their house. Will you go pray for her? And we, I mean, we were young and our teenagers were on fire. We're like, yeah, we know that's why we're here. So we got in cars and drove to that house. And this is the only time this has ever happened in my life. It was awesome. This particular thing. We were, me and my sister were in two separate cars. And we started driving to that place, and I had a vision. I saw a lady laying in bed, old lady. And I saw uh, that, it, that the Lord was showing me, if you'll just walk in, as soon as you walk in the room, she's going to jump up. I saw that happen in front of me. I got out the car at this house. We traveled for a few, few miles. I got out the car, and my sister runs over to me. She's four years younger than me, so she must have been like 13 or 14, maybe 15. She runs over to me, super excited. She's like, Blake, I had a vision. I had a vision. I saw this lady in the bed, and God said, if we just walk in that room, she's going to stand up. She saw the same thing in the other car. Amen. We got into that house. We walked in that house. There was about 10 of us. And we walked through that small little house. We walked into that room. And exactly what I saw was a lady standing on that bed. And as soon as we walked in the door, she bounced up like a young woman and began jumping all around. And from there, we went to another house. And from there, we went to another house. And I literally believe that that night, if we wouldn't have ran out of places to go, we would have gone through all of Mexico. Why? Because faith had arisen. Why? Because the waters had been stirred. And people were believing Jesus can do it. Jesus can do it. Amen.